I never quite didn't really have an idea of how to start. I, d I just thought I, I, I just pressed, I've pressed record and I'll just fucking let it go from there. It's recording now. It's recording now. So, this is this Cody Gear in here, first, first attempt at a podcast, I guess. Oh, I had a, I did have a podcast before. Who did you interview? I didn't interview anyone, it was just between me and a couple of fellas. Yeah. And like, we were trying to be, we were trying to be funny. And it was just, it was just bad, I... You can find one or two episodes on iTunes. <laughs> What's it called? Um, well, because of bloody explicit language and whatnot, it's TPB, but it was originally the it's called Tokyo Piss Bar. <laughs> Not entirely. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't one of my proud, proudest things. <laughs> oh dear. If you oh. No, I won't say anymore because people people go go try to find it and buddy, I lose what small respect I, people have for me. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes, yeah, so first attempt at a hunting podcast anyway. Yeah, out here in the bushland. Yeah. Yeah. Up here in the scrub anyway. Yeah, in a fern choked gully. Very. With a piglet on board. With yeah, with a little with a little sucker tagging along. Charlotte. Charlotte. <laughs> you know. I I did we we did get a fox though. Yeah. Which copped a two hundred grain bullet. It was dead. Skin wasn't much good. <laughs> yeah, no, you you weren't gonna make a fur purse out of it all. Or a rug. Or a hat. Oh I mean, if I yeah, it was beyond it was beyond repair. No, that's for sure. The old man to be happy anyway. Oh yeah, no, nah. saved a few lambs. Number one enemy of farmers, the old red fox. Yeah. Or the wild dog. Wild, yeah, wild dog's pretty bad. But at least you talk to people in Sydney at the Save Native Red Foxes. Yeah. <laughs> Those people have never crossed the Blue Mountains, that's the problem. Oh, they just... They do realise they're not native, right? I don't know. Some people believe deer are native species too. That's nah. People are gullible. Mm. There's people that have never been over the Blue Mountains. Nah. There's people who like live in Lithgow and they travel to Sydney every day for work. Yeah. I'm not a not a big Lithgow fan myself. No. Oh, don't think anyone is. Don't think Lithgow's a fan of Lithgow. No. I don't mind the Lithgow rifles, mind you. They seem pretty nice. My got a, my first rifle was a Lithgow twenty two. It was a nice rifle, but I don't, don't like much else about the town of Lithgow. Yeah. I don't really think it like, was just a thing back in the day where everyone owned a Lithgow 22. Yeah. A lot of the old timers tell stories of the old Lithgow single shot, getting a feed of rabbits, and that's yeah. what they had for dinner. And a lot of people's grandparents in the bush, that's how they grew up, eating rabbit. It was just part of the diet. Yeah. Don't have the modern luxuries of Buddy going out and buying meat out of the fridge. No. No, back in those days, you just took what you could get. Mm. Again, rabbit saved people. Yeah, bloody oath. Now, nowadays, where, where I'm from, you're lucky to see a rabbit. A mixo or whatever other diseases have pretty much wiped them out. What's the, what's the new one? It's like... It's mixo... 
second generation myxomatosis or something. It's got a fancy name. Yeah, it's, it's got a fancy name. But then you know. I don't know if they've changed the way it works, but eventually it's rabbits will come immu- immune to it. Yeah, yeah. Now you talked to bikes 20 or 30 years ago, you head out spotlight and then the whole hill will be alive with rabbits and some bikes were using bricks of 22s in a night just shooting rabbits yeah but now I'd be lucky to shoot a box of 50 shooting rabbits out home a year mm. yeah we all be lucky to go for a mag shooting rabbits yeah anyway you're, you're my guest yeah sorry is Adam Daybell <laughs> hi folks <laughs> <laughs> Fellow deer, man, mountain extraordinaire. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mountain extraordinaire. What are you going to call Nick? Nick, buddy. Buddy, local, local white bow hunting legend. <laughs> I think Nick is. For sure. Very successful year for young Nicholas. Oh, he had a great year. But more about him when it's his podcast. Yeah, I'll, I'll get him on. I'll get him on. <laughs> I've got I've got a few people people in mind I want to get on. I've got to ask them first. Yeah. Oh, Nick Nick's foot's in it now. He doesn't have a choice, does he? Nah, he's. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. A few people know him. I know he talks about Abbey Archery fellas a fair bit, so yeah, they know him. I'm sure, they'll be interested to hear his stories. Yeah, or try to get in his pocket in some way. <laughs> it's a great day out here, but the sun's up. Yeah, it's turning quite nice in here. But still can't get used to how quiet it is. No, for what a, for a bushland is, there's barely any birds in the trees. Yeah. Saying that, there'll be a couple of deer pop their heads up here in a minute and then the podcast will be forgotten about. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing how our luck works. Yeah. So, how'd you get into it? How'd you get into hunting? In the hunting? I think I was four years old, and the um, first time I fired a gun, I can still remember, it was a 410, and it came back and belted me in the bridge of the nose, actually. <laughs> that was my introduction to shooting. And then from there, I mean, grandparents, <clears throat> in prop love shooting, shot his whole life. He's been loading his own ammo since the 60s, so he um, brought me an air rifle, and probably the first three or four years, off of school holidays and of a summer's afternoon just shot the air rifle and then that's when I got the lift then I got the lift go 22 from there and then, and then I went up to the 22 magnum and I um, shot my first pig with a 22 magnum actually what me big big tunner no it was a little 30 kilo <laughs> <laughs> I actually did shoot a pretty good pig with that with that 22 magnum but yeah, the first pig was a 30 kilo pig and he was about 2 k's from the car and I was that excited, I dragged him all the way back to the car and loaded him up and took him down to show, to show everybody. It was crazy. But that was before the days of smartphones with phone cameras and stuff. Which is... Oh, yeah. Before the days of Snapchat? Yeah. Before the days of social media. Yeah. Amazing how much social media's changed stuff. Yeah. I probably wouldn't be sitting here now if it wasn't social media. Yeah, no, like met a lot of met a lot. Of, it's good for hunters because hunting, the hunting community is really isolated. Yeah, 
and social media allows hunters to sort of band together and like you look at the Hunting Australia page it's something like 22,000 members hmm. so it's a place where because other hunters are normally pretty secretive blokes and if it wasn't for Facebook you wouldn't know half of the people you know now probably yeah no it's Facebook Instagram and Twitter I don't use Twitter but no. they good in sort of delivering messages and whatnot. But occasionally you'll get that one bloke who will just make everyone else look bad. Yeah. Like there's always gonna be that one guy who who buddy fits the typical the typical stereotype that hunters have got yeah. and will make everyone look bad. Poaching is the worst thing. Yeah, poaching's the worst. <clears throat> There's also people like you show stuff that's extremely graphic. Yeah. Like just over the tops of where like like if you want non hunters people like who are sort of on the fence about hunting, you sort of buddy gotta ease them into it, not sort of buddy Yeah. Show the game respect. Yeah, like you know, be respectful. Yeah. Which slowly <laughs> slowly people are a bit get getting the smarts to do that now, like Yeah. Especially like especially if you um, te- in television, that's been sh- that's starting to get shown in TV shows. Yeah. Beyond Beyond the Divide is one that pops in mind about showing respect to animals. Yeah, like that. That's a fantastic show. Yeah. Best. I reckon America's ought to get onto that. Yeah. Right, yeah. Best Best Australian made TV show. Yeah. Pro- proper reality TV too. Yeah. It's the episodes where he doesn't always shoot something at once that shows it's, it's true, true hunter because it's not always about the kill. It's all about the hunt. Yeah. I think they've got a term for that. I think they call them skunkers. <laughs> skunkers, eh? Where yeah. does that originate from? I don't know. It's it just a term that Steve Ronella made up for his show. Yep. So like if he, the episode's that where he doesn't take an animal, yep. he calls them skunkers. Okay. And according to him, those are the most liked episodes. Yeah. Because they're more realistic. Obviously, it's down to earth and yeah. Not not trying to bullshit people. Yeah. Well, nine times out of ten, you don't shoot something when, you, especially when you're deer hunting. Oh yeah. Unless you're cull, culling, of course. But if you're looking for that stag or that fallow buck or sandbar stag, sort of, you might walk the bush for. I know blokes that have hunted Victoria for eight years before they pulled the trigger on a stag. That's. A, oh yeah. Like, Samba honey's buddy up there when it comes to difficulty. Yes, definitely. Don't think a lot of people realise that. No. A lot of people don't realise how hard Samba honey is today. Get out of the ute and we'll cut them out and they're about to walk out for the <laughs> yeah. first time. When you took me to Corian, when I went down with you, Corian, down with the club, with yeah. the ADA. Yeah. I was nearly not, I was nearly never going to hunt Samba again. Because <laughs> I spent because it was wet and miserable. Yes. And I never got eyes on a deer until yeah. like the last day. And you almost dropped the stag on your first trip. Yeah, you nearly did. Uh, it's definitely steep down down there. It's a wild country. Yeah. And the worst part is you camp on the highest hill in the whole valley. So everywhere is from camp straight down. 
Which isn't too bad, but it's when you've got to turn It's not, not too bad when you start, but at the end of the day when you're proper fucked. When you're three, when you're three hours from camp and you're down at about 500 metres and camp's at about 900, <laughs> there's a fair slog back up. Yeah. I remember, wait, you, I think you were ringing us or texting us, like trying to work out where camp was. Yeah, I got fogged out and had to get the GPS coordinates because I was on the wrong ridge. <laughs> Yeah, we. What's it, buddy? Someone, someone had it. We had the footy playing because it was a long weekend. Yeah, the grand so final. It, so we had the NRL grand final and the AFL grand final. And we left the radio going and fucking made the battery go flat. Yeah. And then, yeah, and we had good fun trying to jump start the car. Oh yeah, some good ingenuity there. <laughs> what we jump started with um, driving like wire and we found it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember how you did it, but I was, I was impressed. <laughs> That's a good thing about having a couple of mechanics in camp. <laughs> yeah, in most situations. Also, I a couple of mechanics, a teacher and a farmhand. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was, that was good. I, I enjoyed that. That was a good trip. The weather wasn't real great. Oh, well, that's like, that's just the way it goes. Yeah, see my honey. The tarp my hole wasn't a good success either. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was the most underprepared but the most comfortable. Yeah, your little fly tarp and your little swag and you were right. You I was right and everyone get, else has got the Taj Mahal's going. You didn't get, you didn't get bloody wet at all. No, like any time I got wet was... Out in the bush. Out in the bush, buddy. Walking through creeks and stuff. Yeah. I think, yeah, I saw... I might have seen four but I know for sure I saw three because it was like behind a fawn and the stay together yeah for your first summer trip you can't complain I don't know bikes have gone two or three years back before you get eyes on a samba but that, then again that was ten years ago and I think the numbers of samba have definitely increased since then yeah numbers have gone up and you know hunting opportunities or for public land and Victoria's yeah. fantastic yeah shame New South Wales won't adopt similar yeah well they tried to do it but I can only work for state forest yeah. Which is, it's it's a win in a way, but I, I'd nearly prefer if you could hunt National Park, which they tried to do. Yeah, well even locally, all in that back country, not too far from here, there's some good parkland that nobody can utilise, like people don't, the gates are locked so you can't even go in there, like, people can't camp in there. Like, you can't even go in there for a quick picnic with the kiddies. No, you're not meant to go in there, so what's the harm of letting hunters in there? Like, people have been hunting the state forest now for... I don't know when it first came in, but it'd be at least eight years, and there's never been any reports of people harmed or. Yeah, no, like there's the joke and the way people jumped up and down about people get about buddy park ranges and stuff getting shot in national parks. Yeah. Was just a, a joke. Yeah, just an excuse. And it's funny because they really don't do anything. No. They. They're paid to sort of do nothing, in my opinion. Yeah, just go and make sure the gates, the roads are okay and the gates are locked and be the background. Yeah. Although, I, that's my opinion, but then I, you talk to Dave and obviously he does a fair bit. Yeah. I try and try to control noxious weeds and whatnot, but yeah, with the hierarchy, the way that works there, even that's a bit impossible to do. No. Some of that, some of the country, and the park country, is bloody as wild as it gets and there's no way to stop the... No way to stop it. Yeah, no, I was spent the last week spraying. Did you make I, much of a dent? 
oh, I'll find out when the bloody poison starts killing. <laughs> but I was spraying Yas Tussock there yesterday. And, well, that's it. I can know that it's a very bad noxious weed, but you don't realise... Well, you do realise how bad it is when you look at it, but I didn't realise how bad it was till you actually started doing the work. Yeah, and you start seeing them everywhere. My pops, he's 76 years old. His eyesight's not that great, but he can spot a yastasic in a paddock from 500 metres away. He'll be working cattle, and he'll just turn around and disappear. And I'll be like, what, what bloody hell is he going to turn around? He's digging this yastasic. That's all the way over there. It's like, it just picks up that tiny bit of yellowy colour, and then he's just like, bang, just onto it. Yeah. It's like, they're, they're bad. No. I think chi- like the next chilling needle grass, that's, that's a terrible, terrible yeah. one. Yeah. Especially when you're like, especially in summer, when you're driving around, yeah. and it's like, you know, it's it's up to the bonnet high. Yeah. That, like, that sh- shit gets into your radiator or something shocking. Oh, yeah. And your car overheats, and it's just a nightmare. Yeah, when we work out west, we... Park, yeah. park the ute and just you, you're just working on bikes and just have the air compressor on standby to buddy blow it out every yeah. hour. Yeah. Some things you got to do, unfortunately. Yeah, it's nasty. Like yeah, it blocks up the radiator, but not only that, when it gets a bit of moisture on it. Yeah. That's when it's really bad because it sort of turns into a bit of a corkscrew. Yeah. And if I can sort of finds its way to drill in the sheet. Yeah. Like get stuck in the wall or in some cases it gets stuck in your eyes. I've, I've had to pull a couple out, you know, out of your eyes. Yeah, poor bastards. And it's like nearly sort of, it sort of feels like a razor edge if you're around your finger on oh. it. So like it's sort of, it's sort of like a jagged edge. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's like bloody getting a paper cut type. Yeah. Type of a deal. Just what you want in your eye. Yeah, no, fuck that. It's not, not pleasant. No. <laughs> we did have a good conversation going there for a second. Yeah, we had a better conversation. Everything was just rolling, buddy, full steam ahead. Yeah. And now we're stumped. Are you going to edit this? Probably not. <laughs> I'm too lazy to edit it. <laughs> What's your rifle? This rifle today. Yeah. 338, Weatherby Vanguard. And it's been serrated by TO Smash Repairs. It's not a bad looking rig. It's from the Opta 3.5 to 10 scope on Leopold bases and rings. Running uh, Nosler 200 gram ballistic tips today. It's pretty good medicine for 95% of Australian game animals, I dare say. I actually haven't killed anything of these yet. They don't, they don't make these projectiles anymore for some reason. They stopped making ballistic tips because um, Yanks, or in, they still make them in the smaller cows, but in the 338, they stopped making this ballistic tip because the Yanks kept trying to shoot elk with them. And the elk were um, absorbing them and surviving, so they discontinued these and bring 200 grain Acubon, which is meant to be tougher construction for the elk. That's what Dan. Tells me anyway. Right, so they just weren't getting the. They just, I don't think, I think they were shedding the jackets and not getting the penetration on the big bull. Right. That's. Well, you don't want that. You no. saw, buddy. 
No, that's what Dan told me, and he's he does a lot of research when it comes to reloading and firearms. So I was going to take his word for it. He's fairly switched on to that sort of thing, isn't he? Yeah, he's got I think fifteen firearms now, ranging from twenty-two Magnum up to nine-point-three by sixty-two, with about every second caliber in between. I think <laughs> I know he's got a triple two, a two-four-three, two-fifty Savage. No, uh, three two five seven Roberts, <laughs> a twenty five oh six, uh, a two eighty, three oh eight, and a thirty oh six, and a thirty five wheeling, and then a nine point three. I think that I think that's about it. But there's probably a couple I miss. But well, oh, he's got a, he's got an eight by fifty seven in a Seiko Grizzly, and it, and he's got a three oh three num Ruger number one. Uh, a seven by fifty seven in a Ruger number one. Yeah, and that's I think that's it. <laughs> to Australian TV media standards, he's a gun nut. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And they're all immaculate rifles with Leopold with Leopold optics up top. He's a he's one eyed Leopold man. Anybody Leopold sponsoring or? <laughs> no, he just loves his Leopolds. That's not buddy. On and off with Leopold. Yeah, me pop, me pop's always loved Leopold, and he's sold me a few scopes at a good price. So I've run, actually run a few Leopolds these days. As we downsize his collection a little bit. So yeah, when I've walked into buddy gun shops in Sydney and whatnot, they've a sort of I haven't actually had any of them try to get me to buy Leopold. They sort of st steer you away from them. Yeah, okay. Towards the um, European style optics. Well, like it's all the, they do the usual thing. Like, so, oh yeah, well, what's like, what's what do you want it for? Like, what's what's your style? Yeah. And obviously, the style I've been going for is deer hunting. Yeah. Particularly for the real big ones. Yeah. So like the the, the newest one I've got, say, three three eight. Yep. Winnie Mag. Pick it up and we'll have a look at the projectiles. Yeah. Oh, so what have we got here? Um, well, the rifle is a Winchester XPR. Yeah. It's a nice light synthetic, good mount, good mountain rifle. Shoulders nicely, that's a bloody nice, nice set of glass to look through. What, what is the scope? The scope's the Steiner GS3 for the 20, 50 millimeter. Yep. They um like I. I originally had me. Me original plan for in terms of optic. For that rifle was to get a one of the vortex optics. Oh, yeah. But when I walked into the gun shop, they don't have any vortex in store. Like they can order it, but I yeah. sort of wanted. Wanted to go home with an optic on the day. Ready. We had a look at a couple of things like a Zeiss, Swarovski and whatnot. Yeah, of course. Swarovski I just can't afford. But yeah, like in terms of price and quality, I sort of, I sort of, the Steiner caught me. Yeah, it's a beautiful looking scope. The pills I've got sighted in for it, like what I'm shooting is 200 grain. Hornady Super Performance. Yep. Like they just, I just bought a few boxes of those. Yep. 
I, I put some Hornady white tails through my 30A6. Yep. And I was quite happy with the performance that Hornady does out of the factory. Yeah. For factory ammo. Yep. So like I've just sort of, like I do, I do know how to reload and do have the equipment for it. I'm just too lazy to pull my finger out to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it gets like that. And I'm a big fan of Hornady stuff. I you first fellow buck I shot was with a on. Was if a Hornady 150 grain interlock actually from the 308. He had a 200 yard shot, dropped him on the spot. Pretty, pretty happy for your first year when you got black fever. <laughs> so yeah, I've never, never had an issue with any Hornady products. Yeah, well the um, the the, the red stag that Nick shot, yeah, like that that was the um Hornady white tails. Yeah. 150 grain. Yeah, and they knocked a fair hole in him with it. Yeah, like. That was, that was a wild moment. That was a wild day. Yeah. Started started very low. Yeah. Well, buddy, emotions very low, but ended with a very high. Yeah, but save that for next podcast. We'll, we'll, we'll say we'll say that for you. I'm sure we'll have plenty of stories to. Yeah. Talk about. Although, a story that comes to mind with you is your first red stag. Ah, in the, in the middle of the raw last year. The start of April, I think it was the 3rd or 4th of April. But it was still pretty warm, actually. But the stags were roaring pretty hard, and it was... Yeah, they were, they were roaring really good last year. Yeah. But then again, last year was sort of the only year, first year I made a proper go at paying attention to the roar and whatnot. Yeah. It was, um... Yeah, we pulled up and we hiked. Oh, probably a K kilometre down to the glassing spot. Yeah. We got we started glassing the oak crop where the deer at the end of a long dry summer were hitting pretty hard because that was the best feed. And um, we seen what well, we see five I think to start with. And we re- yeah we originally saw five, but I knew that the numbers weren't right. They yeah. needed to be at least triple that. Yeah, and then we hiked another fifty meters or so, and then we could see into a little into a little gully, and it was about 20, 25 bloody red hinds feeding there. And well, probably a minute later, we had the first roar of the morning, and there was a stag down there with twenty five deer, and the blood well and truly started pumping. But one of them, buddy, picked us up from about well, probably five hundred meters away. One of us picked picked us up, and they tried to push down the creek. The stag, he wasn't having a bar at that. He turned, turned the entire mob around. He almost reminded me of a sheepdog, the way that the stag was pushing the hinds back up, and we used that to drop into the creek. And up the other side, we almost did it too good because the deer were coming straight towards us. We looked, we popped up our heads, and that was oh, how many hinds you reckon? It was four or five, buddy, 100 metres from us. Yeah, we just caught, caught out the open and only got the, the height of the oats yeah. to hide us. And then... Eventually they crossed the creek and I tried to crawl down on my, on my hands and knees and make a shot and roll. <laughs> and actually rolled and rolled down the hill somehow and managed to hold on to the rifle and not get and caught. And as far as falling over rolling, you did it so gracefully. <laughs> I don't know how I didn't spook the deer away when that happened and ended up making a shot. Oh, I was about 280 metres or something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was something like that. And then got a good one into him and hit him again as he disappeared over a rise where there was a little dam and the second shot I wasn't entirely sure whether I connected on him and then 
by that stage there was deer going everywhere. I was 25 deer getting shot at something to do. And there was a panic for, oh, it took us probably five, ten minutes to walk over to where the shot was and I was pretty, pretty nervous <laughs> at that stage. And luckily enough we found him and found him and they tried up there and the rest, as they say, is history. Good. Oh, for a good ten-pointer. Yeah. For the first year I was very happy. He's takes pride on the wall at home now. Oh yeah, I got that was a good morning. Yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty good hunting week for you then, because you got a nice twelve pointer in the raw. Yeah, I got a twelve pointer the day before. Yeah. Good good weekend in the bush. Yeah. That was a gussy, it was a good hunting year, and getting that fallow buck that I was tra- chasing for. In the same gully, chasing him for three Probably three, three to four years. I found his scrapes every year, but it was a very choked up system, very crunchy bushland, and it took me a long time to get onto him. And when I finally got him, I think he was starting to go backwards. His antlers, weren't, his trail camera pictures this year weren't as good as the year before, so he was a good old fellow to take out of the system, but he wasn't much in the way of trophy fellow. His head wasn't up there, but more than just the head. It was the hunt, and it took me a long time to get that deer, so... You know, the area you hunt's not really trophy quality area. No, not yet anyway. It's... Oh, well, like with people doing their own personal hunter management and whatnot, yeah. you, you can get it up there, but... Yeah, it's the edge of public land, so a lot of people, which isn't an issue. Like If you're travelled a long way for one weekend hunting, you're going to take what you can get, but being public land... The heads don't often have a chance to mature into eight or nine-year-old animals. They normally get shot around the three- to four-year mark. But we'll, for the next few years, I think that public land area is going to get shut down for harvesting. So well, when it reopens in five or six years' time, it should be some pretty good heads getting around by then. Oh, yeah. Very, very mature heads anyway. But the club's got access to some pretty good private country out there now, which... Oh yeah, the trees are already up around a metre high, so by the time the pines get cut down, um, they say the um, the fallow will move into there because it'll be high enough for cover. So yeah. there should be some good hunting opportunities in the next five years out there. Did you eat you eat yours? Yeah, I'm um at home in the freezer at the moment. I've got some red deer steaks and some fallow sausages and rissoles from my pop. Actually, shot a nice fallow buck. Fortnight ago, and that was the last time we did a run of sausages and rissoles. So, a bit of Worcestershire seasoning, Fortish sausages, a bit of salt and pepper, would have mixed it through for the snag. So, it should be good. Got a hunting trip in the end of June down the sandbar country, which I'm going to take the sausages down for camp food. Good stuff. Your favourite cut is the heart off the deer, isn't it? Well, I did it, I ate heart purely out of curiosity. Yep. Because you hear well, people eating it raw, well, that's a bit... No, you can keep that. <laughs> you can. Yeah, no, you, Kiwi seem to do that a fair bit for some reason. Yep. But no, I, I just... You hear people like, with recipes and stuff about it, and you watch people talk about eating it. So I just went, next day I said, I'm going to eat the heart. Yeah. So I did a roast. How'd it go? I was surprised of how good it is. Yeah, okay. 
like what I did was I had, I made slices in the heart. Yeah. Obviously, buddy, cut the top off and yeah, cl- clean all the clotted blood out of it, and then stuffed it with apples and satanas. Oh yeah. Wrapped it up in tin foil, and then chucked it in the oven and let it roast. Yep. And it was very tender. Yep. Like it just melted in your mouth. Yeah, except I only got one problem with it. Yeah. It's the fat. Yeah. Okay. Like you, you'd be digging into it, like having a good feed, but then like you still sort of you'll feel the fat sort of set, settle and harden it like on the top of your mouth. Oh, yeah. yeah. So obviously I've got to up me, me processing game into trim away the fat. Yeah. But yeah, I've I've eaten heart twice. Yeah. Once on my own, and one I took a fellow out, and he got his first red stag, which was a, a solid twelve. Yeah. And. He he sort of was was curious about it, so I sort of buddy peer pressured him him into eating some deer heart. <laughs> and he was a fan. Uh, he yeah, he enjoyed it. Like it, it was on his to do list, so like I said, right, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll tick it off. Yeah. Are you on the um gourmet hunters page on Facebook? There was a bike on there oh, a week ago. He shot a fallow buck and he cut the balls out of it and he cooked he cooked them <laughs> he cooked them up and ate them. I I don't mind me venison, but somehow I don't think a backstrap and a ball will compare. I think I'll stick to the backstrap and the and the rear cuts myself. But each their own. There's a video on YouTube. It, it's it's me. It's it's a part of the meat eater TV show, but like it's like yeah. an outtake. Yeah. And he's it's it, it was Joe Rogan and Brian Callen's first hunt episode. Yeah. Oh yeah. So they were there like they were after Mildy. Yeah. In, in the Missouri breaks. And there was just a, there's a scene where they're just glassing up bighorn rams. Yeah. And you just hear Ronello go on and said, "Yeah, when I finally get a bighorn sheep tag, I'm, when when I get my big ram, I'm gonna punch the tag, and I'm gonna eat the contents of that sack." He's <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like four. So yeah, just just gonna eat it like, like an apple. <laughs> you can keep that. That's all I'll say. And he would too. Like, like, I've, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do a shoot, man. Like, like he, he did, like, on one of his cooking specials, he, he shows you how to, buddy, make what he likes to call butternut. No. Obviously, obviously it, it's a testicle fried and nut in butter. Yeah. That's not for, that's not for me. <laughs> no. I got all... Things I'm I'm willing to have an open mind to, but they're just things I'm just going, yeah, no, that's all you, bud. Yeah, hundred percent. So we almost got onto what looked like the tail end of a good pig this morning, but just a little bit, as as it often happens, we're about thirty seconds too slow. Yeah, no, like it hurt it, and it's like just like a like a deep grunt. What the hell was that? <laughs> don't know. Don't tell me the tree's got to fall on top of us. I'd do an exciting podcast. Oh, buddy. Cut out and let, leave the listeners on the cliffhanger. <laughs> Episode two from the hospital, Ben. <laughs> yeah, so we made it here to, buddy, Westmead Hospital in Sydney. <laughs> Adam's in a coma. <laughs> 
get knocked out by a tree. And I have a sh- and I've lost ninety five percent feeling in my body. <laughs> but we saved the rifles. That's the most important. Oh yeah, I get gotta save the rifle. Oh, that that's a fairly cheap rifle for that Winchester. Yeah. Oh, the, the the scope is worth more than a rifle. Yeah, for a mountain rifle, you don't want to be too worried about it because sometimes you got to. I've used mine as a walking stick on the steep hills on more than one occasion. Yeah, well, that's sort of the main motivation for, for, for buying it was the, for the sake of using it as a rifle that I can sort of give a bit of a beating to. Yeah. Unlike me, me precious Seiko Grizzly, I, every time that I accidentally bump that against a tree, a, a, a little piece of me dies. <laughs> yes, no. The timber work on the Grizzly is very nice, and I don't think the Grizzly is a mountain rifle. <laughs> It's quite a hefty beast. Beautifully yeah, nah. made, but they're not the lightest rifle ever made either. Yeah, obviously, like it, it, it's definitely rough. I'm never going to give away. No. If I die, and I have kids, and they kids, buddy, give it, give it up. I'll I'll haunt them. <laughs> I'm just going. Uh, you keep that shit in the family. Yeah, definitely. A Winchester shotgun that my grandma gave me like that. It won't be going anywhere. It's a bit of a safe queen. It gets pulled out probably once every few months and I send a couple cartridges down it just to make sure it's okay and then pack, pack it up and put it away. I actually took it out on a pig hunt once and knocked over a nice sow. Shit. We've got a single barrel shotgun. It's yeah. Italian made. Yeah. But like I've... It might be a sterling. Like I'm not yeah. too sure what it is. I've got a back here, single barrel shotgun. It's like a really light timber. Yeah, like it's a, it's a it's a light shot it's a light shotgun, but a very long barrel on it. Yeah. And grandfather originally bought it, and if I remember correctly, he bought it for forty five bucks. <laughs> That's back in the good old days, as they say. Yeah, and as and from what I can tell, tell it's a bit of an, an antique. Like, I'm not sure if it's a collector's item, but I'm sure it could come close. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you just don't see shotguns like it. No. Well, it doesn't have the fancy engraving and stuff on it, but like you know, it, it's sort of the shotgun I, I grew up using. Yeah, <clears throat> takes pride and place in the safe. Yeah, oh, well, as far as far as the pride and sa- sa- in the safe that that sa- particular safe can get. Yeah, a yeah, homemade job. Yeah, we had to put that thing in using the backhoe. That heavy. It was that heavy. That's what you want. And we, still, and we still had to bolt it to the ground. <laughs> yeah. It's going nowhere in a hurry. I mean, if robbers can, buddy, take off with it, like, like I'll check them, I'll check their hand for, buddy, put, managing the port off. Yeah. I mean, again, like, why did you steal our gun safe? You could use those skills on a bank. Yeah, buddy, yeah. Built the house around the gun safe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we always get crazy ideas, like, buddy, Dig a hole underground and maybe make that like a, like a walking gun cover like underground. Yeah, I've often thought about doing similar things to that. All good ideas, but. A lot of work. A lot of work and time and cost. Yeah. You could easily use those things on hunting. Yes. That's what works for the fun the next hunting trip. <laughs> Ugh. And then, you know. Rifle hunting is one thing. Then you pick up archery. Then, then you you start a whole whole new yeah, whole new buddy 
set of bills to... Yep, I started archery earlier this year. I brought my bow and a handful of arrows and a handful of broadheads. and I've destroyed six arrows and got two broadheads left. <laughs> and I haven't killed, haven't killed anything yet. I've hit trees and lost. I had a shot on a goat last weekend that I'd rather not talk. <laughs> I got a little bit too excited and... I do I do the silly thing. I'll buy my arrows in bulk. Yeah. That way, like, if I oh yeah, I just lost one. Yeah. But then, like, when you start to run out of arrows, you you sort of think, oh no, I've got to buy more. Yeah. yeah. Like, Nick does all his from scratch. Yeah. Like I, I buy my arrows sort of already ready to shoot. Ready to shoot. All I've got to do is just put put the broadhead on it. Yeah. Like he does everything. Like he does the fletching. But he. Does every, everything Trim, from scratch. Them. Yeah. Trims them. It's a much cheaper way of doing it. Like. Yeah, it's the same as reloading ammo. Like it's, yeah. It's just a cheaper, affordable way to do it. Yeah. But I don't think I've got the time or the patience to do it. No. I found from an online store you can buy 12 arrows that come with broadheads ready to, sh- ready to shoot for... I was thinking about just ordering, ordering them and getting them sent up in the post. Yeah, well, I've sort of... I worked out my... my way and it's just more or less at the moment I'm just trying to work out what broadhead sort of best yeah. suits yeah I went to America did a white tail hunt in America yeah and the outfitter I went went with non-typical outfitters which is run by Ryan Bland good yeah. bloke look him up he um he uses boss heads by which is made by Wasp yep so he recommended that for me so I went I went and got those a very, they're a good broadhead, like. Yeah. But in terms of cost, it's sort of hard to justify, especially since premium premium broadhead. It's just like that you don't get them in Australia. Yeah. Okay. Like you can't walk into a archery shop and find a packet of Ross broadheads. Like I had to, I've got to order them from the states. Yeah. So you save them for your trophy hunts and use some cheaper ones on the goats. Yeah, use the cheap eBay ones on the goats. Yeah. I was gonna use me use the wasp on the the fellow back I got. Yeah. But I ended up using one of the eBay ones I, I had. Yeah, and you got a clean pass through anyway. Yeah, buddy, double lung. Yeah. Just yeah. perfect. Yeah. Okay, that was that was over, over like a month ago, but still, buddy. One of your more rewarding hunts. Like it was like yeah, that's like as of like. I, a very a good highlight to my hunting career, especially since I had family members who had no faith yeah. in the ways of archery hunting. Yeah, I, I, when I when I walked home with that head, with that with those pair of antlers, I did get a few surprise looks. <laughs> That's what you want. Speaking of memorable hunts, we're not too far away from the location of a deer hunt for the hunting club last year. Oh wow, that was that was a pretty good day. We um went out to some private property hunting fallow in the morning, and <laughs> <laughs> we would have had a couple of good fallow on the deck if it wasn't for a mob of ruse or trying to close the gap. Are we blaming the ruse or are we bla- blaming greed? Both. <laughs> we seen oh ten does I think it was, and we both had a good shot, but there was a couple more we could just see around the corner of the hill, and we thought. We'll just get in a bit closer and make sure there's not a buck with them because it was uh, June and the bucks normally hang around the does till 
or mid-August out that block actually. So we worked our way, tried to work our way close, and there some kangaroos probably 200 metres above us, and they were, we actually snuck past the kangaroos when they took off. And Yeah, they were nearly kind of behind us, then they sort of ran around us straight towards the deer. Straight through the middle of the feeding mob, and then we just watched the tail hop over the fence into the neighbours and that was the end of that hunt which was and then I looked over at Adam and had, could see the steam coming out of his ears <laughs> it was a cold morning so it was quite warm <laughs> and then I was a little bit ticked off and went home and a couple of hours later we had a red deer hunt booked in for the afternoon yeah we um, had James come along with us yeah his first it was the yeah I only found out on the hike to the spot where I wanted to glass that he'd never shot a deer before. Oh, he hadn't, he hadn't never seen a red deer in the wild before. He'd never seen a red deer in the wild before and he's never shot a wild deer of any species. Yeah, we sit down in a nice sunny afternoon, but being June it was quite cold and we actually were having a kiff in the sun and James sitting there was excited. Next thing you know, we're getting shaken awake because two big-bodied spikers appeared out of the bush and were feeding away and then next thing you know how many deer ended up walking out buddy well we could see about roughly six or seven but there were the majority of the hinds were in a big or in a gully yeah we were the bachelor mob was up higher so the state the stags were like on our side of the gully on yeah. top and what we originally thought was a real big heavy 12 yeah. Like I already shot a 12 that year. That was the same year that you got your 10. Yeah. So I thought, well, may as well let you have an upgrade. Yeah. There was another 10 there. I thought, well, for a first year, that would be good for James. And there was a 8-pointer, which I thought was just a disgraceful-looking head. Yeah, it was a So I decided to want to cull him. Tried to film it on my camera, but my camera battery died. And then we ranged at about 200 metres, and by that stage, buck fever, or stag fever in this case, it well and truly kicked in, we thought. Well, it kicked into you two. I was yes. sort of, oh yeah. If I saw the really big one, then I would have bloody been a bit the same. But Yeah, we, so we moved into about 100 to make life a bit easier, which I had to sneak single file across the crop. Yeah. <laughs> So we had the plan set up that James gets first shot. Because it was his first year. First shot, so like he takes the first shot. And once the first shot was taken, we'd... Uh, <laughs> I forgot that thing was there. <laughs> <laughs> After he'd take the first shot, we'd like open fire on whatever we had our crosshairs on. While we got into position, the 10 that we, orig that we originally wanted, wanted James to get was quartering away and then went down to the gully with the with the hinds out of sight I quickly made the decision to let him take the eight I was going to shoot and I was going to shoot a hind when they went to make a move so we waited and waited <laughs> waited for a bit trying to work out who was shooting like trying to work out if it's okay to shoot got all the thumbs up and whatnot. first shot rang out and no deer dropped <laughs> He missed. And by that stage, I was like, well, before this deer has a chance to move, I drove on into his chest and he went down like hit by a lot. Like, it, that was, it was like a textbook 
Like it's yeah. stuff that like it's exactly what you w- wanted to do. Yeah. With the stay you shot, it was magical. As soon as you got your shot, buddy, James managed to reload and line his deer up again and dropped at that time. A hind raised up. I shot that hind. Then we thought, right, I don't like, and like at that point, like the deer have been causing problems with the crops and whatnot. So at that point, we just gonna cull hinds. Yeah. And we we were gonna take hinds, or take a hind for meat, and but like and enter the stags in for a for the competition. So yeah, we shot that one. Then the ten pointer and a bigger deer popped up next to him. Now I knew there was a big fourteen pointer on the property that I've been trying to get for ages, and I just out of instinct I thought it was him, so I quickly did an off the shoulder shot at hundred meters and put one into his chest. He disappeared down the hill. The hinds followed. The hinds came around the other end, and he didn't. So then you shot. Then you shot a hind. Yeah, and then. That was that. And that was that. And then you, the landowner was very happy. <laughs> yeah. And then we had to. Then you had to go away. Yeah. And part of the competition rules was that they've got to be field dressed. Yeah. So we did that the next day, even though that was probably a terrible mistake. Yes. In terms of meat preservation. Meat preservation. Rookie mistake. Yeah. Live and learn, but unfortunately. Yeah. We all yeah, and. You should be running in the Dave that morning, didn't you? Yeah. And he, he wanted one to do a caving demonstration? Yeah. Well, naturally, we selected your stag. And we and I sort of made you do my little trick. Yeah, making a small insert and digging the guts out. Yeah. Remo- fact- buddy, get, go from the dick in, as it were. And the fact that he was cold and stinking and we left And stiff. <laughs> it was a very hard task. And oh, but I- it was entertaining for me to watch, trying to watch you and James, buddy, get these deer. And never again will I gut a cold deer. <laughs> no, matter what, no matter what's going on, I'll open him up and pull the guts out, even if I've got to butcher him the next day. But, oh, yeah, easily butcher him the next day. Yeah. I had, I had a good chuckle. We made some good... We utilised a lot of the deer for meat, but there was also, after the hunting camp, a bike took a lot of meat for the local greyhound races, which they... We couldn't eat all the red deer meat, but we utilised a lot of it. And what we couldn't utilise, the dogs had a good feed anyway. Yeah. Speaking of the hunting competition, you may may as well buddy, talk about that. Like, yep, yep. May, may as well plug it. <laughs> it's in in July this year, from the sixth to the eighth, if I'm not mistaken. At at way in once again is on the Sunday at the Farmers Arms, from twelve till four or twelve till two actually this year. No, uh, we. Variety of prizes to suit rifle hunters, big hunters, a few prizes for the kids, butchering demonstrations, all the good, all the good stuff that comes with the hunting comps. So each year it's grown and yeah, it's improved every year. This this will be the third year. Yeah, be the third year this year, and so far, Katie, and I have taken home a couple of awards, which I can't complain about. But I'd like to see some more deer this year. Like the last couple of years, been. Katie has sort of held the deer flag up. There'll be about 60 pigs, 60, 70 pigs, which is always going to happen. But Yeah, well, obviously pig hunting's a bloody huge thing. Yeah. Last year there was one other bloke bring deer in besides the deer that we contributed. So this year, hopefully. I'm hoping this year, if it all falls to plan, we'll have a variety of species for our team. 
Mm. Yeah. Goats, red and fallow, should be obtainable. A pig, I'd love to shoot a pig. I'd love to shoot a big pig for the comp and take home biggest ball for a rifle shot. I don't know if it's going to happen, but it is my goal. So, like, what, how, what was the... The biggest pig last year was the sow, wasn't it? Yeah. Very clean sow, actually. I often won the word at sow. Was caught because it was a for a wild pig. It was the cleanest looking wild pig I've ever seen in my life. Really? How much for weight? Like, can you remember? It was one hundred and nine dressed, I think. Fuck, that's a big pig. Yeah, and then yeah, it was one hundred and nine dressed, which is a fair lump of ball, fair lump of sour. And then best ball was ninety nine point nine kilos dressed. Good hooks. We were. I was at the taxidermist in Cara. I um John D taxidermy. Yep. He had a boar in there. It was a sh- shoulder mount boar, and it was clearly a giant. Like every other pig next to it was tiny. And I asked him, "Do you know? Did he know how much it weighed?" And he said he didn't know how much it weighed on a hoof, but he know he knew that it weighed one hundred and eighty kilos dressed. That's a big beast. That's like that's a tanker. <laughs> Charlotte seems to agree. Yeah. So the 6th to the 8th of July. July. And that's held at the far- Farmer's Arms? Yeah, it weighs at the Farmer's Arms and registrations the night before. You can register online if you go to Facebook, Australian Deer Association Hunting and Fishing Competition. There's all the entry details on the page. If not, if you're local, come down to the Farmer's Arms on the Friday night and sign up and get amongst it. There's plenty of um, public land and... Around, if you don't, have, if you're from further away and you don't have any land around here, there's plenty of public land to hunt with an R license in this area. And some, some of the best hunting forests in New South Wales aren't too far away, really. And so, even if you like, if you don't have the time to hunt, but you're you're free of the Sunday, you should come. Yeah, it, it's a it's a good social event for yeah. hunting, like meeting other hunters, huntresses even. There will be like obviously like, there'll be some merch there if you feel yep. keen to buy some merch. And it's always good to come see what pigs have been taken out of the area or what big stags pop up. Yeah, like, oh, like, I've always been impressed by the pigs that get brought in. There's yeah. always a, a really top-notch looking yeah, pig well, getting yeah. brought in. Anyway, <laughs> Code, getting on a bit here. And yeah. You've got... Appointments you got to attend to today. Yep. Anyway, um, you got nothing. Like you, people can't follow you on anything, can they? No, I'm just on Facebook. <laughs> you, I, you're just regular old Facebook. Yeah. I put if I put my hunting related stuff on, then we put on the ADA Central West page, which is also on Facebook. Central West um, Australian Deer Association is the name of the page. So if you want to join a local club, if you're local to the Bathurst area. Give, give us, look us up and send us a message and we'll put you in touch with the president so you can join up and get, get amongst it. We do a lot of local public land hunts and a lot of Victoria hunts and there's a lot of really knowledgeable blokes that have been hunting deer for a long time and are more than happy to share their, share their wealth of knowledge. Anyway, Cody, thanks for being the first member of your podcast. I'm oh, glad to pull the finger out the door. Yeah, it was a good chat. It was a yep. shame nothing walked past the shoot while we were talking, but... <laughs> Not quite surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, 
if you people get bored, you can follow me on Instagram at Cody Gearin, or you can follow my my page, which is Worldwide Hunters and Outdoorsmen. And oh yeah, I suppose I do have a sponsor technically. Yeah. Which is Big Game Fit. <laughs> get you can get twenty percent off if you use the code word gear on any of their merch if you feel the need to do that. I mean, you know, it'd make me look good if you did. Like <laughs> you do me a great favour if you if you're having to buy some of their stuff. If not too sure what it is, it's basically like just supplement like fitness fitness supplements type stuff. Some they'll sell shirts and hats as well if you're looking for a new hat to rock. But good good supplements to take up into the back country from protein and whatnot. Yeah, if you or you just want to buddy try out a new thing if the water want to get get buddy muscled up, you could try that too. So it makes that big carry out a little bit easier. Oh yeah, it always makes a carry out easier. Anyway, that's episode one of whatever we decide to name this podcast. Catch you next time.